0: Welcome to Young and Sober, the podcast where we discuss what it means to get sober under the age of 30 and stay sober. If you're sober, sober curious or just curious, you come to the right place. Any discussion heard here is the experience of the individual and should not be taken as the stance of AA as a whole. Welcome to episode 48.
1: I'm Lottie and along with my lovely host, Alex, we will be chatting to Alice, who has come to talk to us about being young, sober and exploring outside reading. How
2: are you today, Alice? I'm uh, really good today, thanks Lossie. And Alex,
0: how are we? Yeah, good, thanks. I've had a bit of a wobbly week, but I'm feeling much better today, thanks. What about you lot?
1: I am glad that it's it's the weekend, looking forward to um, basking in some winter sunshine. Uh, Before Mm. we start, we have a question from our listener, Lily, who says, I want to help my sister to understand recovery and meetings a bit more. Is it ever okay to bring her to a meeting with me?
2: Do you want to start this one off, Alice? Yeah, I think it is. You can go, there are, if you look on the website for AA meetings, it will tell you if the meetings are open or not. And hopefully people don't think this is just open as in like on. But um, an open meeting means you can take people that are interested in knowing more about recovery to the meeting. So that will definitely be a way to do it.
0: Yeah. Do you have any experience with that lot?
2: Yeah, I do actually. I think you'll remember, actually, Alex.
1: <laughs> I haven't. Experienced- oh
0: yeah, I do remember. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, because
1: um, Alex, when I first came in, I was absolutely petrified of kind of doing meetings by myself, and I didn't really understand the whole process of a meeting being open or not. Mm. So one of my best friends actually came with me, and actually, it was a really positive thing because she learned a lot about. and it kind of squashed any negative stereotypes that she had about it. Um, And I also, my husband comes to an open meeting on my year anniversary, just because he really feels like it helps him to support me in the best way in my recovery. And he always normally cries (laughs) because he finds it so amazing. And yeah, it's been really positive for our relationship actually, because I think when you're not in the fellowship, whether it's your husband, your sister, your mum, Whoever. it can be quite an unknown you know thing that someone you love is going to so going actually kind of shows everyone the magic that happens in the rooms and so for me it's been a really really positive thing to take people who want to know a bit more to open meetings what about you Alex
0: yeah I have too actually so I brought my dad maybe six or seven months and he yeah really loved it I mean he's he's a man of faith so he really kind of lapped up the higher power stuff and there were also people of his age at the meeting so he he chatted to one of the guys afterwards and he actually read the big book afterwards as well which was so lovely and then my sister Lily go for it came to my um one year and she sat right in the front row I was actually secretary and she sobbed through the whole thing, and it was really sweet. They haven't actually been for any of the kind of four years since then, but it just helped them to have a bit more of an understanding. I didn't take my mum purely because she's deaf, so she obviously couldn't hear anything. But yeah, it was a really, really positive experience, and I found it just kind of opened their eyes a little bit because my sister definitely was of the opinion that it was like a cult, and she was really worried <laughs> about me. But yeah, it was. I crazy.
1: would just add to that, Lily, to just be mindful of what meetings you bring your sister to as well, because. I've taken a friend before who was interested in it and I definitely got the meeting a bit at the gauge a bit wrong because it was a it was a step meeting and obviously if you if you're not familiar with it it can be a bit overwhelming so yeah just a little bit of advice there to to maybe go to you know go check out newcomers meetings yeah.
0: So before we get on to the books Alice, do you just wanna give us a brief intro to you and your sobriety? So how old you were when you came in, how long you've been sober and what brought you in?
2: Yeah, I'm Alice and I was 25 when I got sober. So I've been sober two years and two months, um, almost three months. Um, so yeah, I got sober in November, 2019. Wasn't my intention to stop drinking, but I, my body started breaking down and I didn't know what was happening doctors didn't know what was happening and it turned out I had a chronic illness so I originally gave up drinking for my health but I managed to stay dry for about seven months uh, because of fears health fears and then my life was just still awful and then I reached out to a friend who's in recovery and she mentioned to try a meeting and at this point it was Everything was on Zoom because we are in a pandemic. And I thought it was the most ridiculous thing, but I did it because I was so desperate. And then here we are. I <laughs> listened to the similarities and not the differences. And I always knew my drinking was a problem, but I didn't realise quite how much it was and and what it could be in the future progressively.
0: Amazing. that Yeah, congratulations on your two years and two months. So we are going to pick up on some outside reading. So just to preface it, there are kind of official AA books there's official AA literature which includes the big book and a book called living sober and the 12 steps and 12 traditions which kind of living sober sort of gives us a bit of guidance on how to tackle the early days of our sobriety how to approach people outside about it how to deal with going out and all of that kind of stuff the big book and the 12 and 12 12 steps and 12 traditions take us through the steps how to do the steps it's something that oftentimes your sponsor will ask you to read certain sections of it and kind of you'll work through the steps alongside reading the big book and reading the 12 by 12. Avida have you got anything to add to that? No
1: I'm just looking forward to getting stuck into it Alex.
0: Yeah so in terms of outside reading so these are not official AA literature so there is no kind of I mean, there's no requirement to read any of the books anyway, but just to preface this, that this is not kind of reading that is suggested by AA. There's a couple of books that my sponsor kind of encouraged me to read outside so there's a book called drop the rock which helps us to kind of tackle step six and seven and it's for me it was it was a supplement you read it as well didn't you lot
1: yeah it was pretty pretty game-changing for me with with six and seven and it was super super relatable so we'll we'll go a bit more into it have you read it
2: alice i have not but i am on my step six so i think that would be good
0: amazing read
2: and get yeah
0: highly recommend. Um, Mm. So I just thought I'd kick us off with with a quote from the beginning. Um, If you do have access to the book, it's on page 10. And it just says, there are many stages in surrendering and practicing. It's called progress. We will be discussing many of the stages in connection with the sixth step and again, working with the seventh. We will be discussing many of the things that hinder our ability to surrender and many of the defects of character that we may wish to remove. There is no magic in recovery, we get what we were. And that basically just summarizes what the book is about. There's a few more quotes that we might um, bring out through the process of talking about it. But I think, for me, the reason why this book was so helpful is that it really went into depth about the character defects there's also kind of case studies so there's people sharing their stories about their experience of things like fear and anger and resentment and pride and all of that kind of stuff and I think to start with for me when I kind of encountered step six and then step seven there was a fear that it was going to require me to completely change my personality and that I was a really terrible person and that all of these defects were awful and overwhelming and that it was going to encourage me to try and be perfect at every stage which kind of really spoke to my perfectionism and I was worried it was going to be really unhealthy and what this book kind of did for me is it really broke down the the kind of defects and then kind of gave me examples of actually where when these defects are kind of under under check i guess or in check how they can serve us and i mean i'll just briefly mention because pride was something that i really worried about i i very one of my most important things to me is to try and be as selfless as i can that doesn't mean kind of ignoring self-care and i was worried that that would be a part of it because self-care is a really important part of my kind of mental health i guess progress and recovery and yeah i was worried about pride And that that meant that I couldn't be proud of something that I did because that would be seen as a negative thing or I couldn't be. I mean, an example of that, I guess, is this podcast, you know, just the fact that I feel really proud of the fact that we're doing it. I feel really like it's a really helpful thing to people. It's also really helpful to me. And there was a part of me that sometimes worried that it was. It meant that it was my ego rather than, you know, comfort, and that I was worried about not having humility in it or whatever. And I actually read this quote this morning and it was so comforting to me. No harm will come to spiritual growth from pride experienced when we freely admit to ourselves that any progress of ours was not made by us alone humble pride acknowledges the guidance of others and a faith in a higher power whom we call upon for inspiration and motivation with humility and God's help we learn to have healthy pride in our good works progress and growth and recovery and you know part of this book is is just teaching us how to I guess channel our defects into positivity and to try and pray for them to be removed and it doesn't talk about you know you have to get rid of all these defects all the time and you have to be a perfect person it's just, this is how it might manifest in your life. This is how you can acknowledge a mistake and move forward from it. And yeah, that was that was kind of my experience of this book. What about you, Lot?
1: Yeah, this book was was really important for me. Along with four and five, I think the, this was kind of the most, one of the most life-changing points of, of my recovery. And it really is, it's a book about the willingness to change patterns of thought and speech and behaviour that are no longer serving me because I did my step five and... I, you know, realized that there was a lot of patterns that were coming up, which is part of the reason we do Step 5. So there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of pride, as Alex said. And basically, I realized that, and it says this in in the book, the pain of living the way I I was became greater than the fear of change. So it really meant that I had to basically just surrender and... We become willing. It's about that willingness to to kind of, which is why it says we were entirely ready to have God remove all of our defects of character. So yeah, it's just about that willingness to kind of l- look at look at the things that are no longer serving you, and to kind of you know remain accountable and responsible for them, but also to to choose a different path. And I found that it, I found it actually really confusing in how to practically do this because really you. know I found it confusing because you're supposed to be very proactive about it but then God is the one that takes all those defects away so I was like I don't really know how much I'm supposed to be getting involved in this and I found that quite confusing but for me the most practical way that I do it which is which has kind of come from the from drop the rock is I I catch myself going into a pattern of behavior that I know is not going to serve me and I, I, I pray, I just say, like, show me, show me a way, show me the other way, you know. For me, that really, really works. And I just also really wanted to mention the the kind of analogy in this book. And Alice, I, this is going to spoil it a bit for you, but essentially this is, I'm sorry for any any spoiler alerts that I'm about to do, but basically it's just a, a really amazing analogy. So I'm just going to quickly read it. but So it's essentially a story about some members who set sail on the ship called recover and they they sail across the sea of life towards the island of serenity and the boat, boat pulls away from the dock and its passengers realize that, that some of their friends from aa are missing and sure enough this lady called mary comes running down the street and onto the dock and she's chasing and people on board cheer and say come on you can do it come on jump on the boat and mary dives into the water and swims as fast as she can but she she's slowing down and she's struggling And everyone can see why and it's because she's got this really heavy rock hanging from her neck and it's dragging her down and they're saying drop the rock drop the rock let it go and so she looks down at the rock and it's containing all of her fears and resentments and self-pity and anger and character defects and they're just weighing her down and she realizes that if she doesn't let go she's going to drown so she tears the rock off and basically she lets it sink into the ocean and she then, free of this dead weight, swims to the rest of the boat and she climbs aboard and she kind of continues this journey with all this all the people that are alongside her. And yeah, I mean, what what, what an analogy. It just really kind of completely explains what it was like for me. Because once you do, you know, once you do your, your step four and five, you kind of realize where all your resentments are at. And then it starts to really start looking at. You, you, you know what is bringing you down and what's dragging you down so without this step in my opinion six and seven these steps oh yeah I don't think I would be anywhere What you know what you think about that Alice because you're just embarking on step six what is your mm. kind of view on it what are your anxieties and your fears about it
2: yeah I don't I, I'm not sure I have any fears I quite I um have done a lot of like spiritual shadow work so I don't mind looking at it because I just feel like it honestly does feel so freeing sometimes but there was a point when I was doing my step four and I saw a particular behavior around a bit of a cross addiction and I was like I'm not not willing to do let that go (laughs) and I just stopped me wanting to do step four because I was just like oh this is something that I I get like a bit of a high from in sobriety and I don't want to give that up but yeah I mean I think what I'm coming to realize with surrender especially is that you can't like it is a process, and there's like you just, but there's more things to surrender as you go along this process, and also I've got to a point now where I don't, I can't really pick and choose what I surrender. It's just got to be everything.
0: Amazing. And I mean, part of this step is, you know, asking a higher power to to remove these defects. And Alice, you were mentioning there's a book that you that you found helpful that was kind of around step three. Do you just want to share about that a little bit? <laughs>
2: yeah so I've just finished it and it's this has really like changed my life and strengthened my recovery it's called um letting go the pathway of surrender by David R Hawkins and I was thinking the whole time reading it I was like this is just like because I think when you do step three right wherever you are in your recovery you're like yeah okay this this makes sense intellectually and like that I definitely did get the serenity at points like bits and bobs of that feeling of like oh my god I don't need to do anything but surrender but then, like life is life, or whatever, and you get caught up. But this book has really helped me embody that and just be like me as I am, or life as it is, is just literally the way it's meant to be. But yeah, there's there's a the question and answer bit at the end, and he says that this is because he talks about the affiliations between like spiritual groups and religion and non-religious people, and whether they would get a lot out of this book. And then he also talks about um, addiction and drinking, and and mentions that like. Yeah, this is basically what he's written about is what surrendering our heart, our will, and our life over to God. And I think that serenity prayer is in it early on. He he mentions like other things that like in AA like stick with the winners and stuff like that. So I think he has a pretty positive outlook on on twelve step and the community it provides.
1: I love when people sneak in like little sayings, and you know that there's some kind of tie. You know, mm. like I don't know whether it's in TV shows or films or books and. I love it. I love when you just know that either someone in their family is in within the program or all they are. And yeah, kind of Alice, what you were just touching on what you were saying. So I actually listened to this really amazing podcast by the incredible Glennon Doyle. And she is interviewing Dr. Laurie Santos, who runs a um, course called The Science of Wellbeing, which is one of the most famous courses um, out there. And I actually did it during lockdown, part one. And it was really, really wonderful because all of these, you know, um, like tools and exercises were literally all AA stuff. Like write a gratitude list, get in Mm. touch with your spiritual, you know, higher power, whatever that is, you know, surrender, as you were saying, Alice. Dr. Laurie and her were having this conversation and they were saying, I think it was Glennon was saying that as humans, you know, in this capitalistic world, we're all so caught up in just more, 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 more whether it's more money, whether it's buying a house, whether it's buying more clothes. And the problem is, is that when we get that, we're not, we're not content. We're not happy. And actually what it is, is the journey to get there. That is where the happiness is. And I think for me, you know, being with, within recovery allows me so much more to be able to be present and to enjoy my, you know, my life. Cause I know that the end goals aren't what makes me happy because I've, I've been there and I've I know that it's the process that is the thing that makes me happy. If anyone wants to know more about Glennon Doyle,
2: she's got an amazing book as well called Untamed, which we're not going to talk about here. Have you heard of it, Alice? Yeah, yeah, I have. I think she's good friends with Brene Brown, isn't she? I've I've read a Brene Brown book as well. We're gonna so. come
1: on to Brene, Alice.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, but I loved what you said about the cycle. Like just this book is the same. It talks about like this just basically he says you've got to want freedom more than whatever it is so like obviously with addicts you've got to want freedom more than for getting drunk or getting high or or whatever and like or whatever the kind of the the idea that once we have a particular thing or people person or whatever it is then we'll be satisfied it's just it also plays into kind of unconscious fears as well because actually we're chasing that thing not to sit with other emotions which we may be like not letting ourselves feel right. and then when we don't get that thing or it doesn't go the way that we want we're still left with that emotion and what we basically is saying is to just feel those emotions in the present let them go and then surrender to, to yeah I don't know if I explained that very well but
0: yeah that actually really connects to, to a book that I wanted to mention called The Road Less Travelled by a guy called M. Scott Peck and it's really funny actually the story of how I came across this book. So when I had my kind of burnout and I went into hospital and I'd kind of gone through the process of being in there for five weeks and I came out and my dad like came down the stairs like in a really kind of like, I don't know in a really strange way and like handed me this book and was like, I think you're ready for this now. And it was really <laughs> sweet. Like the, 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 the version of the book that he'd given me had like all these notes in the margin that he'd written and like it was just it was so sweet and so lovely and I'm just going to read the very first the very first paragraph actually and it says life is difficult this is a great truth and one of the greatest truths it's a great truth because once we truly see this truth we transcend it once we truly know that life is difficult once we truly understand and accept it then life is no longer difficult because once it's accepted the fact that life is difficult no longer matters and that that really speaks to me about my journey with recovery in the sense that, you know, I I seek with these outside things that we were, we were mentioning, you know, the job, the partner, the house, the whatever, to try and make life not difficult anymore, ever. And what I want is, you know, subconsciously what I kind of think I want is just constant joy, constant high, constant this, constant that. And that's kind of what partially led me into drinking and using is the fact that, I wanted to have that high all the time. And, you know, this book is wonderful because it it talks about that acceptance that you mentioned, Alice, and just the idea that, yeah, it's it's not always going to be easy, but that if we accept it and we kind of try to transcend it and use the tools that we have, then we can sit with that difficulty and rather than get past it or ignore it, we work through it. And it's through working through it that we we come to acceptance and we come to kind of contentment rather than joy, contentment rather than a high. Yeah. So, lots. Do you just want to kind of move on to our onto our final book that you were going to mention? Sure.
1: Yeah. As Alice said, Brené Brown is my queen, and I'm sure if if you know, I'm sure you've all heard of her name if you haven't you know something has gone terribly wrong in your your life (laughs) she is just amazing she's doing some you know she's done for the past 20 years groundbreaking research um looking into kind of vulnerability and shame and she's you know the first book that I read of hers she's got about five out now but the first book that I read of hers is called The Gifts of Imperfection and it was the first time actually that I kind of realized how deeply shame had been such a big part of my, of my story and my drinking. And it came to me at exactly the right time within my recovery because I was willing to kind of look a bit deeper. And that's why I think outside reading is so helpful. And of course, Brene is in recovery herself because all the best people are. And, you know, she, she talks about kind of developing this shame resilience, which is kind of the, it's like a cycle of ability, the, the ability to recognize and understand our, sh- our shame triggers. Having a high level of critical awareness, the ability to reach out and tell your story, and the the ability to kind of speak to the shame to kind of yeah, stop it from taking over your life. And yeah, it just, it just really kind of opened my eyes about how much I was in shame, you know, and how alcohol actually was something that I felt covered up that shame. But actually it was it it, it was like doing the absolute off, And she t- she's a massive, massive fan of author- authenticity as well, which is something that in recovery, I think we get the chance to develop. And, you know, when I came into recovery, God, I was not authentic. If if, if someone was wearing, you know, uh, a pink fluffy jacket, the next meeting I would go to was a pink, fl- you know, I was in a pink fluffy jacket. I just was a chameleon and I, I wanted to fit in. And I really kind of, found it very hard to to kind of accept who I was and to to embrace who I was and there's a quote in this in this amazing book that is stand your sacred ground and Mm. I remember I wrote it and put it on my mirror and every day I would read it and just every day it would remind me that actually I am we're all sacred on this earth and my opinion is no less valuable than someone else day by day it slowly built up this kind of yeah, authenticity and it allowed me to kind of cultivate that courage and, and also acceptance of being imperfect. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I think she's, she's an amazing, amazing writer. Alice, have you read any of her books?
2: I've read Daring Greatly, but yeah, that quote that you said, I really felt that in my heart space. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I think it's okay to kind of, I've read something else, it's, like, it's okay to forget your power as long as you remember. Yeah. yeah I've not read that one the one you're speaking about but it sounds great I'd love to because shame is just I feel like once you take away all these things and you're left with your emotions like shame is really like it's a big one
0: yeah a hundred percent and I think just lastly one of the things that I always get from Brene Brown is that we connect through our vulnerability and that mm. it's okay to talk about our, our what we perceive to be our weaknesses or our Yeah, the things that we're ashamed of and that, you know, when somebody seems like their life is perfect and it's all shiny and it's difficult to connect to because our lives aren't like that, you know, whereas when like we do in meetings and like we do kind of to each other in recovery, we share our vulnerabilities and that's that's what connects us, you know, and connection is one of the most important kind of things to counteract, you know, addiction and and Mm. alcoholism. So sadly, we're going to have to wrap up there. But Alice, what's something that you're grateful for today?
2: I'm grateful for the opportunity to do this podcast and hear about all these great books.
0: I'm grateful for letting go, man, and surrender.
2: Like, I, I'm i just embracing slowness in my life and it's been the most, like, beautiful, heart-opening experience and I just feel like I don't need anything other than myself at the moment. So I'm grateful for that feeling. Hopefully it will stick around.
1: <laughs> I'm grateful to have... Somewhere warm to sleep because it's been so cold, and I think that you know I do a gratitude list every night, and it's part of my program that is just a non-negotiable. And it's very easy to kind of be grateful for you know a lot of material things, and you know, a house is is a material thing, but also it's it's something that obviously not everyone has. And yeah, I'm just super super grateful that that I've got a roof over my head and somewhere warm to sleep. Yeah, what about you, Alex?
0: I am grateful for my people in recovery the beginning of this week was was challenging and I really wanted to reach for things that were unhealthy and rather than doing that I picked up the phone and I called you know people in recovery who were able to carry me through it when I felt like I couldn't couldn't go through it alone and you know we don't have to go through it alone we can go through it with people in recovery we can go through it with our higher power and know be empowered and find strength in that and to be able to realize that i don't have to be strong all the time it's okay that i don't feel like i'm necessarily getting recovery every moment of being sober and to to be handed the gifts of that and the tools of that by other people so yeah i'm really grateful for that so thank you so much alice for joining us it was so 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 wonderful to chat to you and thanks lots for co-hosting with me we will be back next week with another speaker and a topic please do like and subscribe if you have any questions or feedback about what you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at Young and Sober Podcast or email us at outlook.com. That is it for episode forty-eight. We are young and sober.